Just a little disclaimer before you guys get started with today's episode. There are a couple small audio issues here and there. We are still getting our sound worked out, but we should have it good to go next episode. So please bear with us um, and disregard the few background noises and such that you will hear. We were also a little bit rushed with our ending as we were going over schedule. So we did forget a couple things like our Instagram account, which can be found at grainy underscore days underscore podcast, which is where you can check out our Instagram highlights. And we also forgot to mention our Gmail account where you can get in touch with us about being a guest or if you just have any questions for the guys. And that would be at grainydays at gmail.com. And then we are hosted through Anchor. So if you would like to send us a call in, just download the app, find the podcast, record about a minute, I think is what you can do and send it in. And we will have an episode in the future where the guys just chit chat and we will play some of the call ins and talk about them. And maybe you can hear yours on there. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Grainy Days podcast. My name is Pete Donovan, coming from the beautiful 70-degree on a rarity in April in Nashua, New Hampshire. I am joined down south by Dustin Cogsdale and over on the West Coast, our West Coast neighbor. Actually, we have two West Coast neighbors today, Mac McDonald and our guest for the evening or afternoon, I should say. I apologize. Uh, Justin Rosenberg. How's everybody doing today? Hey, good. What's up? Peachy Keen, jelly beans. God, that was oh, late. Oh, boy. Yeah. That was late. Hey, that's a good right. start. <laughs> jelly beans out of the gate. I I pra- I pra- no, I practiced that all week. It's going to be jelly bean days, not grainy days. That's it. <laughs> Just change it. Yeah, no, Easter is next it. weekend anyway. We're so. going oh, to veto it. that one. Jelly beans are awful. <laughs> Justin's in the spirit, guys. Jelly the Easter spirit. Amazing. Jelly beans are awful. They're just sugar in the shape of, like, rabbit turds. Yeah, oh, so, exactly. But they're, they're awesome. Though. But they're okay. good. Okay. Well, we'll agree to disagree. Okay. Uh, <laughs> rabbit turds are tasty. So... <laughs> And that is our clip for everything now. <laughs> that yep, that's the ending t- for tonight. <laughs> I can hear the unsubscribe clicks right now. Like yes. everybody's like, like unsubscribe. Nobody's even lot. subscribed yet. I when, when they hear everything I have to say. <laughs> Maybe that'll bring them back. They're there gonna be go. like, why isn't this guy on every week? Because he's peachy keen jelly bean. Yeah. Sure. Well, right on. So, as um, Pete said, we have Justin on with us tonight. Justin, you are in California. Where at? Uh, Technically Encino, which is in the San Fernando Valley, which is like the place from Clueless. It's how I knew of the valley. Uh, But basically, like um, a few miles from LA, like Los Angeles area. Gotcha. If you put L.A. on something addressed to me, it'll still get to me. Oh, that's cool. So you're basically where, like, all of the early 90s movies were shot. Effectively. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm not from here, like... but, yeah. Even, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm Where I am, it's, like, Stepford Wives, suburbia. It's, yeah, it's weird. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> where are you from originally, Justin? Uh, originally, I was born in New York, in Long Island. Lived there till I was seven. Then we moved to Florida and lived oh, there Lord. for 23 years. And yeah, far too long in Florida. So you're effectively a Florida man. 
No, uh, <laughs> I refuse to. I refuse, even though I spent most of my life in Florida, I still refuse to consider myself a Floridian because I was not born there and I don't live there anymore. And I lived and got out of Florida. A lot of incidents and some legal troubles and things, but I got out. <laughs> okay, okay. Yikes. Florida will do that to you, I hear. Yes, yeah. it will. It's the plague of Florida. Yeah. I was born in Mass and I moved. Like I refuse to say that I was a... Uh, a mass reject. So I moved to New Hampshire, and like when when I was seven, probably like the same same time. And I say I was born in Mass, but I don't live there. I've lived in New Hampshire for over thirty years now. So we, we used to spend a lot of time in New Hampshire. Oh, nice, very cool. Yeah. So how, how long have you been in in, in Sino, Justin? Uh, about a year and a half, but I've been in LA since two thousand eleven. I moved out here. Uh-huh. I flew 3,000 miles from Florida to get sober, which is weird because I know like LA is like the drug capital of America, but <laughs> it was a fun place to get sober, so it worked. Hey, were man. you uh, shooting any were you photo making in Florida, or did that happen? Uh, you- I was photo making in Florida. Um, I got I've been photo making for a while, on and off, and I was making a little bit of money at some side income doing photo making in Florida, photographing, whatever we want to call it. Uh, but I had a really, at the time, good paying job for my age selling military semiconductors, and that nor photography is my original background in science, but we can talk about that later. But uh, I wanted to do the photography thing full time, but I was afraid to lose my really nice chunky income, which I was blowing on drugs at the time. So yeah, I was photo making, but it wasn't like a full time thing. That didn't start till LA. Okay. So when did all the photo making stuff start? Like, what, what's your, what's what's the Justin origin story for photography? Well, contrary to popular mythology, I was not born with a camera in my hand because that's a weird thing to actually think about and that yeah, that'd be painful for the mother but, too yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah. yeah that'd be terrible around. um i don't know exactly when it started i mean cameras were kind of always around my dad and my two actually three uncles were all into photography but two of the three uncles were sort of more into photography um like one of my uncles on my dad's side i forget the connection i should actually research this and ask him Uh, but he had something to do with helping make nikon popular in the united states and he did some work with kodak and and like i'm getting some i i don't want to say more of the story because i i don't exactly remember but like he had something to do with like bringing a lot of that into some of the big camera shops in New York City way, way back. And so anyway, so my family were all sort of like big amateur photographers and into it. So cameras were sort of always around, but I didn't really care about photography, even though I'd take lots of pictures on my family stuff. And then, God, it had to have been, let's see, sort of early college. I kind of got into it a little more seriously and I sort of got into, so it was like 2002, 2003, 2004, and I sort of started shooting more seriously. I started film and digital at the exact same time. I remember I bought a little Canon PowerShot A70 on the digital side and some sort of little Pentax SLR or Canon Rebel SLR film side, and I would run both on shoots and use them for sort of different things. And then I used to shoot a lot of, this is in South Florida, so a lot of like wetlands and Everglades and gators and herons and birds and shit like that. And uh, I remember in like 2003, 2004, I sold my first landscape print for 50 bucks. And I thought the next day National Geographic was going to call and I'd quit college and switch careers. 
they never called. They never called. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how it always happens, though. So that's yeah. that's unfortunate that it did not happen that time. Uh, yeah, those, not, I apologize on behalf of National Geographic, even though bastards. Yeah, yeah I'm not affiliated uh, with them. They never called me either. In, in in their defense and in defense of like proper marketing skills, I didn't reach out to them either. So there's there's that angle, but uh, so yeah, kind of just really fell into it a lot, and then. Kind of, I was in grad school for. I have a background in evolutionary developmental psychology, which equates to a lot of student loan debt for a bunch of degrees that I don't use. But uh, so I was in grad school and was like really heavily into the the school and the research side, and sort of fell out of photography for a little bit. And then in was it 2007, one of the uncles I was talking about, he upgraded from a Nikon D70 to a Nikon D80, and he shipped me down as D70. So that was my first like digital SLR, and I sent to me with a lens, and I just sort of hit the ground running. And for quite a few years, I got really seriously into it, uh, more on the digital side. I wasn't shooting any film around that point. And um, yeah, started getting a few clients, assisting at like weddings and bar mitzvahs, doing portrait shit, doing early, early precursors to the types of things I'm known for now, and also doing a lot of drugs at the time. So yeah, fun times. So you're saying precursor to the kind of stuff you do now. Um, it's kind of a natural lead into one of my questions I had for you. You have a distinct style. Is that something that once you started seeing those early shots that you were like, okay, this is something I want to work towards? Or was it just a series of happy accidents? I'd go more on the happy accident stuff. I mean, if you looked at all my old shit from like 2007 to 2010, there was, you know, like I'm confident saying there was some really decent stuff back then, but the overwhelming majority sucked. It was like if you pull up Model Mayhem now and you look at all the examples of what not to do, you know, it's like that was how bad my work was. You know, everything from like, oh, like let's make, you know, I have a studio strobe, so I'm going to hang a sheet with some thumbtacks on a wall and call that a studio. It, yeah, just like really bad shit or like super wide angle close up in people's faces and like the clarity slider to 100 horrible oversaturated HDR like all the things that I rag on now I rag on because I've done them <laughs> yeah, that was kind of think, a, we all have done that you know as rookies mm-hmm. start yeah out. exactly yeah, like, I'm, that I'm, was that. a thing I'm, in the 2000s was as soon as the there was a Lomo app on the iPhone for fuck's sake where you could hit that mm-hmm. and it would do all of it for you you wouldn't even have to do anything it's i mean it's like i'm seriously considering writing like apology and amends letters to some of my portrait clients from back then it's like (laughs) oh like i'm sorry i did that to your face (laughs) yeah it's is hdr still a thing i very the only really time i see hdr happening is uh like if like abandoned buildings and stuff like that to try to like pop color but other than that i don't see it at all anymore i I don't use it at all anymore. Um, on, that's not entirely true. On rare, rare, rare occasions with some tricky stuff, because, like, you know, there, I do a lot of corporate and commercial stuff. So some of my like property stuff I do for brands, if I'm shooting properties or interiors and it's really tricky, I'll do like just the tiniest touch, but not to make it look hyper realistic. I'm trying to make it look actually realistic. Okay, I was gonna say I see it on landscapes and like you said pete abandoned buildings and stuff but yeah it's it's it seems like everybody has learned the error of their ways yeah i'm guilty of it i'll admit that so i think we've all done it oh yeah, yeah. 
Oh, and sorry, I to totally like in response to like the precursor to style. So I think what I said sort of addressed that, but it was like it was the the seeds of sort of working with people and really sort of getting that down. But it started, you know, like just the way a lot of us start, sort of like, oh, my, I'm the one with the camera amongst my friends set, and you know, like got to know people and shoot and things like that. And I got heavily involved with like the South Florida like dance and rave culture so i'd always be shooting a lot of club events and meet people there they need portraits and just yeah it sort of evolved in a, a little microcosm there at the time and then you know obviously still evolving now but the work itself is very very different and hopefully more refined now or maybe worse i mean some people might like my old shit better and oh. so justin um I'm looking at your feed right now, and uh, you know I, I shoot portraits as well. So, like, there's so many questions that I definitely could ask. I, I think first I'd like to talk about, you know, what is your day before and hour before preparation process for a shoot with a model for the type of work that is represented on your IG feed? Uh, it's same, like the same as not shooting days just lots of peeing and lots of coffee right <laughs> um, like honestly I, I don't really have much prep a lot of my stuff and you know it's it's it really boils down to like location as in is it going to be an outdoor location or are we doing something indoors and if we're doing right. something indoors it's usually at their house like my I love where I live, but it's just not conducive to shooting in any way, shape, or form, so I don't shoot at my place. Um, so it's if we're shooting indoors, it's usually in their spot. And, you know, sometimes they'll, like, you know, go to shoot someone, whether it's a client work or a trade shoot or whatever, and they're, like, trying to tell me about their place. And my general response is, like, I really don't care what your place is like. I, I love the sort of, and I know what I'm about to say goes antithetical to a lot of, photography that you know always plan your images and know ahead of time and it's like i really love the challenge of not knowing what i'm getting into and the thrill of sort of making that work right. uh, so and similar with the outdoor stuff obviously a lot of my work is weather driven so i'll sort of chase weather patterns and you know but other than that like half the time when i'm doing an outdoor shoot i, I don't know where i'm going ahead of time you know I, I go to a lot of the same areas but i don't know which of the main areas and they're all you know one to three hours away from la and in, in different directions so it's sort of like all right i'll meet you at 5 a.m at this spot to pick you up and we'll just sort it out so in in terms of what goes into it not very much honestly yeah yeah uh, you know, besides bringing batteries and packing gear yeah that's that's the only <laughs> thing i freak out about because if i think about the shoot too much i'll like overthink it and just stress out and it won't be natural and it'll be weird for the subject and weird for me so yeah it's good to hear that somebody else is like just f it and let's just do well, it you know the, the other side of that coin is you know and on my corporate and commercial stuff some of that is super scripted with producers and art of directors course. and we have yeah, shot yeah. lists and things like that but <laughs> pretty sure none of you guys have ever seen that side of my work because nah, we're talking about the creative never, po sure. never yeah, posted yeah, anywhere yeah. and don't care about it but you know so that is the the opposite and panic attacks and all of that and right. you know but to that and even in the portrait side or even sort of on my other page the not currently stuff the the same places just without the people like i still get i don't want to say nervous it's it's not anxiety or anything like that it's sort of like a nervous excitement before every shoot especially because i don't really know what's going to happen it's like 
you know, and yeah, and so it's 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 not a freak out anxiety. It's like, oh, I'm really excited about this, but there's that tinge of nervousness. Like, oh, am I going to actually get something good today? Right. <laughs> yeah. So you brought up the not currently. Um, I don't know if people who aren't familiar, obviously, if they're not familiar with you, they're not going to realize that you actually have two Instagrams that you run. You have your not currently and the JSR photos, um, and each one has a different style. You usually use one for more landscape photos and more for your model portraits and uh, stuff like that. When you're approaching the landscapes or, or your fog photos, do you have um, a different mindset? Are you do, do Is something else inspiring you for each or do you just kind of go out with the same mindset for each type of shooting? It's honestly like... I want the viewers, you know, the, the, the people who follow both to, you know, whether it's a photo of some person standing in a foggy landscape or that exact same foggy landscape without, I want that, you know, that it's, and this is a lofty goal. I don't know that I achieve this, but I want the viewer to ha- like experience whatever that same visceral reaction is for either. So the, the, the human component sort of becomes irrelevant. Obviously it's relevant and I love shooting people, but you know, I want the, the emotion behind it to feel the same. And I'm not quite there in, you know, like in my own head yet in terms of like the alignment between those two, but they're, they're getting closer. I would argue would that you, from on the sorry, outside in, you are. Because to me, when I'm scrolling my Instagram feed and either of those pages pop up, I instantly, when I see it, know that it's one of your photos. I don't have to look yeah. at the artist on the top. I, I can, I just see it and I'm like, that's one of Justin's pictures. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, look, the reality is, like, I live in Southern California, one of the most beautiful places on Earth. And most of the things I shoot are not Southern California things, you know, like... The, the people side of what I do, like, oh, here's another hot guy or girl rolling around on the beach, like, more power to that world. Like, the, the reality is I'm probably shooting myself in the foot financially because there's a lot more money in that side of thing, you know, but that just, it does nothing for me. So, I, and same thing on the landscape side, like, oh, here's a pretty sunset on the beach. Like, I'll do some beach stuff occasionally, don't get me wrong, I do enjoy it, but it's like, I it's just, I, I mean, I, I hate using the phrases like dark and moody, but my shit is darker and moodier than a lot of LA to the point where people who have reached out to me like, Oh, I'd love to work with you. Do you ever travel to Los Angeles? And I'm like, I live there. They're like, I just assume that your work that you lived in Portland or something. And I'm like, well, can you read? It says Los Angeles in my bio, (laughs) but that's a separate issue. Pete, did you have something you wanted to, um, yeah. What, um, I'm looking at both your feeds here, and I mean it's a remarkable work on uh, both ends. Thank you. Um, what do you What do you enjoy shooting more? I mean, or do you find like a like a happy medium with like shooting both, like shooting a model like in your landscapes, or um, I, I mean, because I'm looking at both right now, and I mean your your fog pictures and your just what what i what i like to call like up in my area like back road pictures and stuff are just mm-hmm. like unbelievable and like putting a subject in it and everything i i think that would be kind of like more of like a distraction away from like what's behind them what do you find most do you, do you enjoy um like i i guess i should say like what um like what your favorite uh thing is to shoot yes is my official answer um there it's funny i get asked this question a lot I I need both. Um, 
I'm intensely introverted. I joke around about being awkward, and I certainly am awkward in a lot of ways, but I'm not really socially awkward. Like, I'm totally fine around people, minus being around large crowds. So I love the human element, and, you know, one of the things I love, especially on location things, is these places that I shoot are not five minutes down the road. It's not like driving to the beach. It's, you know, you, you spending, like, some of these shoots I do in the forest stuff, it's five, six, seven, eight, 12 hour days. And the reality is most of that is spent driving around. And there's actually very little photo taking because it's just driving from one spot to another or setting up and blah, blah, blah. So it's, you know, I've made a lot of amazing friends from people that I've shot. Like some of my closest friends in the world are, you know, people that I photograph, whether they're clients or trade shoots or whatever, you know, so there's that human element and the social life component to it. And the other side is, you know, some of my stuff on my not currently account, some of that is shot during the same shoots as the portrait shoot. And then I'm telling some poor frozen, sometimes not clothed person like, oh, hey, I know you're like super cold right now, but could you like step aside? I have another account and I just need to get this shot with you in it but the other side is a lot of the stuff i'm not currently is just me going out solo and you know like as an introvert i need that alone time to sort of recharge so it's you know i i think even though they're they're disproportionately balanced in terms of quote-unquote social media popularity you know in my head they're balanced in terms of like my own emotional well-being and and creative well-being as well mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I, I totally feel you on the um, being the social introvert as well. I mean, I I'm a wedding DJ by trade, and um, yeah, I mean, the one the one thing I noticed too is uh, when you just get in your car and drive too, as well, and um, just on a personal level as well. You know, congratulations on your sobriety, um, and everything. I'm a I'm a recovering addict as well. So. Oh, Mazel Tov! Yeah, thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> And I find the, um, you know, driving in the car and just shooting alone to be just more rewarding than talking to a group of people, mm-hmm. you know. And to me, that's like, uh, you know, I, that's my release as well. You know, you, I, I mean, everybody heard about it in the first episode that we did. And, um, you know, it's like I love putting the you have like a, it seems like you put a lot of personal feeling into your photos and it actually speaks. I mean, um all your photos like are actually like speaking to me, you know, and, uh, you know, I could totally relate on that. And so, thank you. Yeah, no, it's, 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 you know, I, I talk about this a lot to my friends and I was interviewed recently on another podcast and it's, you know, like that, you know, I used to joke or I used to laugh when I like, here, let's, let's talk about this writing thing. Like when I was literally in rehab and you know, like 30 years old sitting in rehab in Los Angeles and they're like, Oh, and your next group is this thing called art therapy. And I'm just like, Oh my God, how fucking childish is this? And then here I am eight years later, like, you know, like art is my therapy. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, I'll never knock that concept of art therapy again. Like I, I firmly believe in it. And you know, whatever, you know, art and both therapy in that context can be loosely defined because it's obviously different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Justin, you were talking about, you know, your style is dark and moody and absolutely looking at your feed. That's that's obvious. Let's talk about, you know, the conversation that's being had or what goes on during the shoot to like get this emotion out of your model. Like, you know, I shoot portraits too. So I'm always pursuing this type of emotion with the subjects that I'm working with. And I'm just curious how another 
artist does that. I mean, like the, the your your models are absolutely amazing. I mean, they're conveying this like really striking emotion that you absolutely want as a photographer. You're like home run, home run. And I I believe that you know an amazing photo is like twenty percent photographer, eighty percent model. So if you and it looks like you're you're always having just stunning models. How how does that happen? Um, I mean, the, 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 like I said earlier, the, the people I work with, I, I never specify what's what. Some are clients, some are friends, some are professional models, some are trade collaborations. So it's it's just a mix of a lot of things. And the, the, the ironic part is, you know, as sort of, quote unquote, moody or evocative as the work comes out, that the like the exact opposite is how it goes down on set. It's it's hours and hours of just dying laughing punctuated by tiny little okay wait 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 pause for a second just do that thing you just did with your face quick get a frame and then crack up laughing again yeah so it's 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 actually like my shoots are really fun and funny which is sort of the twisted irony about kind of like the the dark nature of my work and i like again and it's it's purely for selfish reasons it's like it just it's, it's all about that like balancing you know all aspects of my personality and you know it just i choose to let out the sort of darker side in in terms of the end product i do have like thousands of outtakes over the years of just cracking up hysterical photos and i i could i could literally start a separate account and it would be like oh that's like his work but it's like the light happy version right yeah. <laughs> and the other side too is you know it's like obviously my corporate and you know in that side my corporate commercial stuff like lots of smiles everyone's fully dressed and well lit and no fog and yada 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 <laughs> yeah so I mean, let's talk about shooting indoors with film real quick, because mm -hmm. when I used to shoot in Atlanta, I was shooting all indoors, but with a D750, you know, so I could up the ISO and it was always really clean. And mm -hmm. now that I'm shooting film, I try to shoot outside as much as possible because, man, I'm so nervous of shooting indoors. And I see you're shooting a lot of like 3200. Mm -hmm. um, how do you adjust for, you know, shooting indoor light? And it's natural light for the most part of this light. His uh, for the indoor most part, shots are also grainy. And you are not a fan of the grain, it seems, Mac. No, I, I like the grain. Yeah, I'm not afraid of it. All right. I'm 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 a fan of grainier the better. I mean, even if you go back far enough, like, you know, uh, you know, I I haven't posted a single digital photo this year, uh, but you know, like before that, <laughs> in a few months it was a mix of digital and film, and for years before that it was just only digital. But even a lot of my digital work, like in, in Capture One, like that grain slider was my best friend. Like I just love grain, but. Going to what you were saying as far as the lighting, you know, like my Sony A7R2 or whatever that thing is, you know, that was fucking great for indoor stuff because I could shoot at 6400 all day long right. and, you know, you get a little bit of natural digital grain with that and then add some more grain and it's just like, oh, like totally cool. No light issues. So, you know, it has been... I don't want to say frustrating. It's not the right word. It's like challenging to sort of say, okay, here are the limitations, you know, in both color and black and white. Obviously, black and white, we've got the 3200 Delta yeah. and, and the TMAX 3200. I, I genuinely love them both. And, you know, like I posted some photos and people are like, oh, how much fucking grain did you add in Lightroom or Catch One? And I was like, no, that's that's literally straight out of camera. Like that's, that's real. <laughs> um, so I love low light indoor grainy stuff and you know and yeah it's it's challenging like knowing the sort of limits and it's you know i love those challenges i'm you know i like i love that concept i don't remember where i first heard this but it's sort of like 
you know, like you, the, the more limitations you have, the more creative you can be because then you can say, okay, here are those rules. And if I could still get something good out of it, then, then that's growth. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I agree. It definitely makes you adapt. Like now I carry one of those little video lights and a reflector because I'm real paranoid about running out of light. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm adapting with 800 speed color film mm -hmm. and getting creative. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo I love your indoor stuff, dude. It looks great. I mean, what, what speed color film are you using? Just 400? Uh, for most of the indoor work, that's Portra 800. Ah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Uh, I still haven't shot that. It's funny. I love Cinestill 800. I have not shot that indoors yet, oddly enough. But I like. I need to fuck with that. Yeah, yeah good luck trying to get it. Yeah. Uh, sure. I mean, it's like freestyle, and I, I, I'm like, I go to a lot of small local labs here, and they tend to still have supplies when a lot of the big places run out. You're lucky. <laughs> and like Andre still owes me from some other competitors podcast whose co-host you're having on your show next week but um what do you call it uh Andre I guess I won some slide film Fuji Velvia 50 or something from him and we still haven't met up like when I grab lunch and basically I'm just gonna threaten him within an inch of his life if he doesn't like set me aside like an emergency stash of Sinistil I'm, t I'm totally getting hot only saying that because I know he might hear this. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I was going to buy his pinhole camera, but he never followed up with me on like the pricing, all of that. So I, if it's still available, I might. <laughs> I think he sold it already. That, that's okay. I'll buy yeah. another one. <laughs> okay. So but yeah, so I'm actually excited about like getting into the pinhole side of things because I think more for my not currently that that could work, especially in some of the foggy places I go. Yeah, honestly, I think it might work really well for your model stuff too. As long as your models can sit still for, you know, a minute or even if there are slight movements, I've seen your, I think your style would work really well with like pinholes and models and whatnot because it already kind of has a pinhole feel with like the mm -hmm. it's not super sharp um mm -hmm. your background oh, yeah, there, there's some of my stuff like i've posted in like that's why i've gotten out of most photography groups um like i love some of the film groups that i'm in because it's more it's just a smaller community but like some of the bigger photography groups it's like i'll post one of my things and like i'll do it intentionally knowing all the technical things that are wrong with it and it'll get ripped to shreds and, and just like in my head i'm like yeah well i just sold that one and that sale just paid rent so you know it's cool but you can tear me to shreds on how it's not good yeah <laughs> yeah look kind of isn't it so unfortunate that people look at uh, the imperfections as like a negative. They, mm -hmm. they just, it's, it's unbelievable that they can't understand. Well, like, that's what I love about like the Polaroid stuff. And yeah. you know, you other than the people in the photos, like very, like I'm like my next book is going to be all Polaroid. And I'm just sitting on like hundreds of these that I've been working on for the last year. And it's like, that's the ultimate of imperfection film. And it's just like, I look at this and I'm just like, ah, oh, that scratch on there from the rollers or this, that, and the other thing. And I'm just like, ah, it just gives me life. Right. And I, I'm sure there is some sort of like spiritual metaphor about how we are all imperfect or I'm sure Brene Brown would agree with that, but you get the idea. 
Yeah, a lot of the stuff I scan and post on my IG feed, you look at it, it's that it still has dust, scratches. I don't even clean it up. There's no need to. I mean, I choose to shoot film, and that's, mm-hmm. that's part of the process. Now, if it was a paying client, I'll clean that shit up. But if it's my personal work and someone doesn't like it, unfucking follow me. But, you know, I'm going to create work that I like, and part of the whole process is, you know, it's kind of fucked up sometimes. And that's amazing, and I love mm-hmm. that. And exactly. it's crazy that people can't like they're so stuck in this like exposure triangle box. You know, I got to like adhere to this and this, regardless mm-hmm. if the photo is boring as shit. It's technically perfect. Well, but, like my, my theory is this. I love that other photographers love my work. I love that sometimes they buy the, my work and prints and books and, you know, invite me on podcasts and all this stuff. But like, I, I, a, I'm not I can't say that I'm not trying to impress anyone, period, because it's like you know i exist and i'm trying to get my work out there so obviously i I hope that it's impressing some people but you know like the the you know the 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 photography facebook crowd you know the model mayhem crowd and what like that's not who i give a shit about at all you know like i don't you know that there's the the eye has to be perfectly tack sharp and you you know like your your histogram values you know you went you know it's 255 over here so that's just not gonna work i'm like fuck you the client was happy right <laughs> i'm happy like that's that's all i care about but wait hold t- this is like i'm just using this as like a, a catch-all sort of housing page for it because i'm about to start slowly shopping around to publishers it's it's there's still dozens and dozens more that i need to scan and obviously not everything will be in the book it'll be like a tighter edit but this is a lot of what i've been quietly working on the past year and not posting some of the shit which is some of my favorite work in years is driving me nuts <laughs> So this is awesome. Now. <laughs> very, very cool. Yeah. That's a lot of Polaroids. That's expensive there. Yeah. yeah. Holy that's crap. a lot of expense. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> so hope, hopefully <laughs> it'll sell and I can like, basically cover my costs. So when does this come out? Uh, I, whenever I say so, which is going to be, I still haven't even started reaching out to publishers. I'm still like shooting a lot more, adding a lot more. One of my mentors is going to help me sort of do pitch letters to some publishers and make like a tighter edit and a mock-up book. So my goal is to have a release date to, to be able to say when the release date is sometime between now and the end of summer. And then when that actual release date, it just depends on if it goes through a publisher or if I self-publish. So hopefully within the next year or, and ideally before the end of this year. Okay. So now we're yeah. already so these, talking about, these are amazing. I'm just yeah. <laughs> they really are. They're fantastic. People are going to lose their shit over these. I hope yeah. You, I think I've probably well. posted, maybe six out of all of these it's driving me nuts <laughs> what um what model sx70 are you using uh the basic one that the i've got this isn't all sx70 this is shot with sx70 it's shot with a polaroid 600 i think two polaroid 600 that i have uh some of those is with the one step plus nice. and a couple are with the land camera the peel apart but i'm going to there's maybe like five in there but i'm gonna pull those out and keep it all polaroid originals film because there may be too many boobs in this but i'm gonna see if they might want to pitch in and sponsor the project in some way it's nice to know too that i'm not the only one having issues with these scratches on uh, from the rollers right in the middle right in the middle of the image i love it Like, yeah. I'll clean the rollers occasionally, and then when I do that, like, instinctively clean them, and I'm like, no, why did I do that? I yeah. missed the scratches. <laughs> and some of, like, obviously some the one-step plus, I, I paid 
Oh wait, say that again. So you the, these double exposures that you have for some of these on the Polaroid. What what did you do? How how? <laughs> ben Are you loading them back in dark bags? <laughs> nope. Don't own a dark bag. I'm not that fancy. Uh, the double exposure ones are on the. That's the only like new Polaroid that I have. It's, it's the, the one step, step plus, plus. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got you. I don't own one of those. And I, I literally that was a thing only you could bought it, it so I could do a few double exposures for the the book. <laughs> gotcha. That's that's rad. I didn't realize that you could do that with the one step plus. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah the literally but you have to do it through the iPhone app which is a little awkward but my work is awkward so it works. Yeah, if you uh, actually have the... going to be frustrated because they can't see any of this, which is good because it builds hype and mystery. That's right. Yes, that's right. We're just... Definitely. Okay, so <laughs> we're talking about a book that you have coming. Let's talk about the book that you already have for a minute. Head in the clouds. That's the name, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that book and how it came to be. Uh, drove around, took some pictures in fog, and made a book. That's the the Blockbuster Video Box version. Version. Okay. Wow, I'm dating myself there because uh, I used to work at Blockbuster. Okay. No, it's it was you know it's sort of I hate the word like I'm not established enough and big enough to say it's a retrospective, uh, but it sort of is a retrospective of like two and a half three years of going out and taking foggy photos and you know the like my goal when i started all the fog stuff wasn't my i wasn't thinking book it was just sort of you know one day i was like oh i wonder how this would look in a book so i started you know and i had done like something with shopping carts a while back with blurbs i was like all right i still have the software let me start playing around with it and i was like oh this actually looks kind of cool downloaded the pdf version it was like a 25 page book of just a bunch of naked women in fog and i'm like that's literally what everyone would expect for me to do so let me add some of the dudes in fog that i've shot okay that's great it's a bunch of people in fog but i also like you know the landscapes without the people and i have a lot of that work let me add those so i did like you know there's a sort of layout to it and then all of a sudden it's 112 pages of foggy photos so what is blurb about uh blurbs it's the cool self-publishing platform um I'm not a graphic designer and I couldn't afford a nice fancy graphic designer for the layout. So I just kept it super simple and just sort of, you know, the, the photo is just, yep, that's, you know, for the most part, the same size and layout on every page. And for someone with shit graphic design skills, you know, their software is free to use and layout. And, you know, there's, there's actually one graphic design error in the book that I thought about re-uploading and fixing, but so far not a single person has ever said anything to me about it. So I look at it as one of those like weird little Easter eggs, and I'm curious if anyone will ever notice. Or maybe they notice and they just don't care. But it's like this tiny little glitch in one of the, the pages in the book. There's going to be one and asshole now who goes and seeks it out and points it out to you because you said that. That was strategic because that means they probably have to buy it, and that's exciting. <laughs> but yeah, but like on that note, like everyone's like, "Oh my God, you have a you have a book," and like that's got to make you a lot of money. They're, you know, the reality is, like, yes, it's cool. I have a book; it's self published, and I'm super proud of it. I I don't even know, like I'm not in the software. I think I've sold around a hundred copies, so it's not like some world famous book. And like blurb is fucking expensive. I think I make like. 13 or 14 bucks on a book like something like that it's it's like there's i didn't do this for the money i just did this to say that i did this and because the photo i basically did this so i could afford to buy a copy to keep for myself you know um but the fact that other people have bought it and loved it like that's super cool okay so you've mentioned 
your um, shopping cart. Was that a zine? I've, I've seen this all over your social media and stuff. It's like people are always sending you pictures of shopping carts. What what started that? Where did that come from? Um, yeah. I, wow. Um, so maybe like four, five, six years ago. I don't even know now because it's been going on for so long. I just like saw a picture of or I didn't see a picture I saw a shopping cart like on the side of the road and one of my travels like I wasn't don't even think I was out on a photo shoot and just an iPhone photo and took a picture and like that was I think back when my Instagram like if you go back for it up I posted everything it was a shit show um and like oh wow people like the shopping cart and then like the next day I saw another shopping cart and I just slowly organically over time started noticing more and more shopping carts and I would post them and post them on Facebook and then like I don't I don't know the exact date I don't know how long this took but at some point someone posted a photo of a shopping cart on my Facebook page and like oh I know you like shopping carts I saw this one thought you'd like it and it just sort of very slowly very organically kind of took off from there and then was it 2015 yeah november 2015 i jokingly posted so i also i love pandas i'm not as known for them anymore that was back uh, more of a florida thing but i still love pandas and i jokingly posted on facebook like oh you know i guess it's only logical that i should get a tattoo of a panda and a shopping cart and a friend of mine deej tattoo artist she messaged me she's like dude, I'm in New Orleans for the next two weeks, but get to the shop, I'll draw it. And like literally that night she had a drawing of my now tattoo of a panda sitting eating in bamboo in a shopping cart. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm going all in. Uh, But in the two weeks leading up to that, like I just started really kind of reflecting on the whole shopping cart thing. And I I realized that this wasn't the reason that it all came about, but it morphed into this and it, it became something sort of visceral and real and like, same as the fog like it became sort of a metaphor for like being in the present moment and aware of your surroundings you know and now people like they get mad at me they'll send me a photo that they see of a shopping cart on facebook instagram wherever and they're like fuck you i can't not notice shop i don't know if that's grammatically correct like everywhere i go i, I notice shopping carts. dude it's happened to me now i'm not like it's mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I, every because not knowing what this deal was like it's always just cracked me up but then like lately you know i travel a lot from my work i'm bouncing around and a lot of the accounts that i go into are in fucking shopping centers and stuff and like i'll, I'll go to roll in and there's a shopping center in the turn lane on the freaking highway and i'm like oh what, i wonder what his story is yeah mm-hmm. it's 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 you know and you know like sometimes i feel bad because people send me like photos of like homeless people in the shopping carts and like that's not the angle i'm going and i tend to not share those um you know it's it's just you know it, it literally just became this giant metaphor for just sort of like being in the moment and aware of your surroundings like i don't look for shopping carts and i yet i find them and other people find them everywhere so i think that makes sense <laughs> yeah totally yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I dig it. So, uh, Justin, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Dustin. Oh no, I was just, I was just saying, I, t- I, I totally get it now. Like, I've been wondering, and that was like a question. I wasn't sure if I was going to ask it on air or not, but it's like it was something that I for sure was curious about and had and wanted to know the story. Yeah, so my my like I did like a, I jokingly did a a, bo- a print book of iPhone shopping cart photos on you know on Blurb like years ago I think I printed like four copies or whatever and I, I jokingly leave it up as like a dollar ninety nine ebook and the reality is like I 
fucking love those shopping cart photos. So I may one day, especially now, like getting back into film. Oh, fuck. If I end up doing a series of <laughs> pinhole shopping carts, I'm oh, like, all three, all, th- all three cool. of you. Okay. All three of you were chipping in to cover the cost of that film, and uh, <laughs> my my friend Rob Timko, uh, he's like he loves the whole shopping cart thing too. He even offered like months ago to like print a shopping cart zine for me because he's got like a zine printer thing or something. So have you <laughs> so seen this, yeah. um, Neil Piper and Alex Purcell's work with shopping carts, where they actually set the pinhole in the shopping cart and then go like rolling around with it in the grocery stores? I have not. <laughs> Dude, you need to go and check those out. They're actually pretty cool. And while not exactly, you know, the same thing that you're doing with them, it's still pretty cool. Yeah, anything with shopping carts. It's good. Like, people tagged me all day yesterday, like, like, this book that came out a couple of years ago from some dude who, like, had a whole thing, like, about abandoned shopping carts. I guess it, like, re-went viral. So everyone's sending me this thing. They're like, oh, my God, have you seen this? And I'm like, yes, 400 fucking times. And it's, it's like... I keep getting onto these joking things that just sort of I accidentally get known for and associated with. It's kind of the same with fog and like Betty White is a big thing. It's just like my next tattoo is going to be a portrait of Betty White. Like it's just, yeah, I, I go all in long term on jokes that then end up becoming real and meaningful to me. I got to stop that. So are jokes, <laughs> is, is you know, everybody finds their inspiration from something. Is that kind of what guides you nowadays? Is it just what joke can I turn into something or is there anything what does it surprise you the things that actually inspire you to take photographs of things um I joke about the joking thing being inspirational and and there is obviously as I just said some, some sort of true component to that but as far as like what inspires me it's such like I'm so bad at answering this question because the the the, the true answer is like everything inspires me. Um, yeah, it's know, a loaded like, question super, for sure. Yo, for <laughs> sure. Um, you know, like, yeah, I could list a, a million different photographers living and dead that I find inspirational. And, you know, like my, and, you know, yet my work looks everything like theirs and nothing like theirs at the same time. So it's sort of like my work is this, you know, as is everyone, unless you're blatantly like ripping someone off, it's sort of like, it's the sum of all of your inspirations. But music's actually a big inspiration to me in terms of like my, my work isn't like mimicking the lyrics and music and things like that, but it's more like the, the feelings that like the, the visceral response that I get to a lot of my favorite music. It's, you know, I want someone viewing, and it's, again, a lofty goal, you know, I want someone to have that same emotional experience as when I listen to whatever favorite song of the day is, you know? So there's always got to be one guy, and uh, I'll be the guy. What, what, what gear are you using? Everybody wants to know what you're shooting with. iPhone 3GS. Man, that's right. I was always hoping you were going to say. Best camera best ever. Yeah. Well, I'm crossed. actually, ironically enough, I, I have an original first-gen iPhone sitting here in my hand that I've been quietly shooting some stuff with for a project, and I'm thoroughly convinced that when I do this project, because I never really talk about the gear that I use, that no one is going to know that it's an iPhone, and, and an iPhone 1 at that, <laughs> like the original, original iPhone from 2007. But uh, as far as what gear... Um, currently since other than my corporate and commercial stuff i'm pretty much all film uh obviously we talked about the polaroid side of things but nobody's really seen those so we'll leave those out my main cameras right now are the nikon f100 and the rz67 by mamiya and i love my little holga nice those are those are those are my three main ones right now 
What what lens are you running on that F100? Uh, I've got a 51.4. I forget which letters it has because I'm not super techie like that. And I've got a 28 on there. Nice. That goes back to last nice. week, man. I was saying it's just, yep. it's just there's too much when it comes to Nikon and their lenses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's too much with every Emmer company and their lenses. That's yeah. true. But Plus, it seems like is... that F100 has, uh, like, skyrocketed with people shooting them. Just, I think, within this past week, I've seen at least six or seven posts from different uh, photography pages saying that they're shooting with it now yeah it's ridiculous that camera has jumped in is doubled in price in the last month because you fuckers won't stop talking about it well, but, but that, it's, that, it's worth it dude. that that's a big reason no no offense to the current youtube vlogger who's also on this call Who? But that's i don't know but like it, like i think both sides like the that's sort of the max of the world who do talk about the gear and then like the 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 opposite were other than in like the photography group sort of thing like the small thing like i don't talk about the gear and i think both of those need to exist at at the same time do you know what i mean yeah because for sure but let's be honest nobody's like, going to max videos for gear reviews <laughs> listen, listen. I definitely do not t- like talking about gear on my channel, but a few reasons I do. One is people ask you, like just like I asked Justin, oh, some, no, some compl- fucker's going to compl- ask you, what are you shooting? And then I'd rather just have the video there, and then they could see my review of it. And of course, you know, people are searching for it anyway, so you have for- to do something like the foundational shit for your channel. But other than oh, that, like I like shooting. 100%. 100%. But I also, yeah. I- I'm coming from the I don't have the channel right. side of things. Yeah. But it's yeah. it's... You know, like I love when people bitch about like a the Kendall Jenner or uh, the, right. the Captain Marvel. I totally blanking on her name because I haven't seen the movie Brie Brie Cheese Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Yeah. Uh, yep. Which would she shoot with like the FM two and Kendall's probably? It wasn't got, even like, an FM two. It was like an FM ten, the little plasticky. Oh, okay. Yeah, Whatever. it wasn't even like a bit or an Jason expensive from, camera. Yeah. It was like a thirty dollar Nikon. Yeah, or Jason Momoa with the Leicas, or or uh, the Thor dude with his contacts. Like every time, like people bitch, like oh, some latest celebrity is talking about film. You know what? It, Kendall Jenner, despite the fact that I'm not a fan of hers at all, or the family, like if she's posting about a fucking film camera, then that's helping film itself. But then when they yeah. see the pictures she's taken with it, you're like, oh, I can do much better than this with my iPhone because let's. Man, like her and there's some I, I rapper. I haven't seen the pictures, <laughs> but oh, so I, <laughs> but I know what you're saying. Man, they they're not good. They're snapshots. I mean, and of course you don't expect them to be great, but they're just like blown out flash, like mm-hmm. awful. That's awful. an aesthetic, though. You know, it's it's yeah, subjective. I get it. Yeah. I get it. But the thing is, like, they're spending thousand dollars on these contacts cameras and getting shit they can get with you know a little camera, a little Canon you know, whatever, or the Vivitar, no focus, you know, blast right. your face with flash. They're just, they're, they're inflating the prices. And, and, you know, of course they're not intentionally doing that shit, but the price is getting inflated on these cameras and they're not even using them to their full capabilities, which I, I don't, you know, it's, it's their so prerogative. It, 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 again, it's, it's that double edged sword. Yes. Yeah, all of sure. that is true. And sort of, you know, that like what I was trying to drive home was, if more, if Kendall Jenner posts about just a film camera in general, that means a few more people that who see her post are going to go out and buy film cameras, and you, you 
have to shoot film in film cameras. Bingo. So people are going to buy film and that means less film is going to get, you know, like go out of, out of what's the word? discontinued. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, or, you know, I, and yeah, potentially sure. more film will be brought back. So it's, it's this double, yes, it drives the camera price, but ultimately we could have the cheapest film cameras in the world, but if we have no film to shoot, then what's the fucking point? <laughs> so right. And to be honest, I'm just playing devil's advocate there because point and shoots are not my jam anyway. Like I'm not going to go no, out <laughs> and buy any of these cameras regardless of if, if they were cheaper because it's just not my style. I don't shoot a point and shoot really. I bought a Yashica T4 that got a good deal on it, shot one project with it that never saw the light of day because it was for someone specific and they wanted like that look. And I was like, okay, I don't see the point in this camera, but again, just personal aesthetic. Justin, yeah. you haven't shot the right one. I'm sending you a Nikon L35 AF2. Okay. With a, a roll of 3200 in it. I want you to shoot that roll. You're gonna, your mind's gonna be blown. I, I carry I it on shoot, every shoot. I will now. shoot a roll of dick pics for you. Oh my nice. god. You, you, no, 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 no. You need to get no. If you're gonna do dick pics, what you need to get, Justin, you need to go get the little Nikon AF600, put it in panorama mode, because it's got a macro, it's got a macro panorama lens. There, there you go. You're gonna, you're gonna make those guys so impressive. There you go. Wait for for anyone listening that the dick pic thing was a joke. I like, yeah, no. No, I need it to not be a joke now. Yeah, I mean, it would be 3,200 grain anyway. So never, never mind. Uh, but let, let's, let's talk about the gear again. I mean, like for me, uh, here's the deal. As long as it shoots eight thousandths of a second and I can mount a um, D or G Nikon lens on it, I'm okay with it. I don't really care. You know, I just need shutter speed and I need to be able to use my Nikon glass. Then you, so, would, as far as, hate, then you would hate the RZ67. Matt just well, wants to be able to do all the bokeh all the time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but that, that has a thousandth shutter speed. The RZ has only got a four hundredth. Man, I mean, yeah, I can I need to shoot wide open. I need an insane. See, I mix, I mix it up. <laughs> yeah, but there's also Mac is going. He, I joke about the bokeh. Mac wants to be able to isolate his subject. And yeah, there you go. That's the proper can, way to say you it. You can very easily isolate your subject, <laughs> even without having the ridiculously fast shutter speeds on medium format, because the depth of field there is just mm -hmm. ridiculous. So even you know, I, I had a RB67. I sold it. Um, but but even with the 400th and 0.35 um, or 3.5 fastest aperture, I was still able to isolate subjects with no problem on oh, that yeah. camera. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't have the ridiculously fast shutter speeds, and I can't put a 1.2 nonsense AI 17, 32, 50, whatever Nikon lens on it. But <laughs> Niner. Yeah, Niner, the Niner lens. But yeah. it, it's you still have the ability to isolate your subject on it because the way it renders your depth of field versus the 35 millimeter is just right. out of this world. Well, and also for, for my stuff, especially the foggy stuff, if I'm just in a foggy field and like the tree line and the person are all in that sort of same focal plane, in theory, whether I'm shooting at 2.8 or 32, if it's just up against a wall of fog, it ain't going to make a lick of difference anyway. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And, he, and you know, it, actually made more, it made more difference on digital because then it's like you just see all the sensor spots because I'm horrible about cleaning my sensor. Yeah. So let's um let's switch it up and talk about like viewing your own photography and what you think about your photography, right? Because I think like hopefully everyone listening at one point at least looks at their photography and like forms some type of opinion about their work and then like says X, Y, or Z. I mean, do you ever like stop review your work? Like, how do you feel about your work? 
Probably not as much as I should. Right. Um, my current website, Mackie, you might be the only one out of everyone on this call who saw the earlier iteration of it because I've kind of known you for a little bit now. Um, my current website, I just like I redid everything about a month and a half ago, and even that's only temporary. I'm trying to like really just sort of. I'm not a fine art photographer, but I'm trying to take that sort of fine art perspective of really just whittling down and culling and, you know, what's that that Stephen King quote, like, kill your darlings, kill your darlings, kill your darlings. So it's like just edit down to sort of the best of the best. And I'm doing that in terms of what I think is good and, you know, working with a few mentors and sort of really like honing everything down. So I'm, I'm in the process of diving deeper into my work. <clears throat> Bless you. Um, oh, what the hell? <laughs> thought I was the first one to do that today. <laughs> Damn, somebody just went for it. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm in that process, and it's it's eye-opening, it's scary, and it's awesome. You know, it's it's like starting to look more critically at my own work. Right. I mean, but like, do you have like an, a, a feeling about your work? I mean, do you look at your work and be like, shit, I have so, mo so much more to do, or, okay, this is good where it's at, or does it provide you anything for the next shoot? Um, it's going to sound super lame, but yes to all of those things, uh, which I can go a little further into. It's sort of like, I look at, going back to, you know, earlier in the conversation with us, it's, you know, I look back at my work from 10 years ago, and I just want to throw up and cringe at how bad it is. And then I look at my work from five years ago and I'm like, okay, it was less that bad than 10 years ago, but not as good as now. And I hope that in five years from now, I look at the work that existed today during this conversation and say, okay, that was better than five years ago, way better than 10 years ago, and not as good as the current five-year thing. So I'm always trying to grow and sort of get more like... I don't want to say like I'm not trying to do revolutionary things. I'm not trying to reinvent anything. I'm just trying to like make evolutionary incremental changes in growth. So it's sort of slower over time. And yes, looking at the work informs that. Yeah. And you know, especially like um, God, I don't even I don't even think you were on the call, but like before we all started talking, it was just Dustin and I talking on here. And you know, like a lot of plans for this year in terms of growing into you know large format and four by five and things for both my portrait stuff and the not currently stuff. I, I instinctively want to call it landscape, but it's not all landscape, but, um, so yeah, like, I portraits. hope that I'm sorry. Environmental portraits. Well, I coming from the corporate world that has a very different meaning. <laughs> That's more yeah, like people in space. So sort of, yeah. Right. But, um, what do you call it? So it's, you know, like I hope that, you know, if we redo this exact conversation a year from now, I hope that my work is, both super the same and identifiably still me and super evolved and different if that makes sense if you could never earn another cent from photography would you still do it 100 percent, yes okay what do you get out of photography besides monetary um the biggest thing and it's sort of repeating what we talked about earlier but it's it's, it's the truth is it's 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 art therapy for me it's right. you know it's it's my way of connecting and existing in a social society yep. and you know and the two sides of my photography you know coexist to help me balance that out and I, again i know like 
keep alluding to the corporate stuff and I intentionally never talk about that in posting it. But the other side of that is, you know, that's that does factor in, you know, certainly from a financial standpoint that that, you know, is a, a large chunk of my photography income, certainly not all, but a, a nice chunk. And even though some of the work drives me nuts and it's super boring and it's like there's no artistic crap to it you know like i have met a lot of amazing people in that and what's cool is when those two worlds combine like the other day i did i don't consider myself a boudoir photographer but my work could have aspects to that you know i did a private boudoirish shoot for a client like a you know a studio producer in hollywood or whatever this woman like she's <laughs> 30 and wanted some like this is you know, this is how I am now. And I want to look back at these photos 40 years later. And, you know, I met her through my corporate photography and what's, you know, and things like that happen, you know, not as often, like super often, but, you know, I love when those two worlds merge. Right. I think that was a super long winded answer to your original question, but you get the idea. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so I have a question and I don't want this to sound the wrong way. But your sobriety you can, obviously has... Ask anything. Okay, yeah, yeah. So your sobriety obviously plays a very huge part in your photography with it being mm-hmm. your therapy for the most part. Do you think, God forbid, something happened um, and you relapsed, that you would continue on with it the same way or that it would you would still use it that way or is it you know something that you maybe would want to distance yourself from or not do it until you felt like you were back on the right track? How do you think that would play out? Um, I mean, I, I tend to not like to think in hypotheticals um, because the reality is like, you know, I'd, I'd love to say that I'll never relapse and I certainly hope that that's the case and that certainly can be the case. I just, I don't know. I don't know how to answer. Like, it's a great question. It doesn't bother me that you asked it at all. But the, the reality is, like, I don't really know how to answer it. I'd like to think that if I relapsed, like, God forbid that happened, that I'd get back on track and life would be great and that photos would still be included. But I just, I don't know. It's one of those hypotheticals that I haven't really thought about because it's just, I don't see the value in thinking about that, if that makes fair. sense. Yeah, that's totally fair. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> change the subject a little bit we'll uh we'll move on to a little bit different question you do shoot a lot of black and white and a lot of color do you have a preference in what you shoot do you have a do you go out that morning saying i'm gonna shoot this this way and maybe i'll mess around and shoot the model this way or do you just kind of let that feeling kind of happen when you get to the shoot when in and dictate let the light and the environment and everything dictate that for you i'd say it's 60% 60% the latter part of how you phrase that, the sort of letting it dictate. But on a lot of shoots where I can, I try to shoot both color and black and white. And, you know, not in terms of like when you see people thirsting for attention on Instagram and they post the exact same photo, like swipe for black and white and color, which do you like better? More in terms of I shoot a roll of color and a, a roll of black and white or two of each or one and two. Uh, but they're not, the, I, it's not like redoing the exact same photo. It's like, okay, we're with this person in this environment. Like, let's do you know, a roll and see how it looks in color and black and white. And, you know, it, it's, I tend to not really have preferences and I love them both for different reasons. Do you ever find yourself desaturating any of your color photos if you don't think it necessarily works in color and turning it black and white? 
I would never. That's just sacrilegious. Yes, I have done that. Um, I don't think that's sacrilegious at all. I, some pictures you want to work out one way, and it just doesn't work. And but it might have been better if you did it in black and white. You know. Well, there, there's uh, like I can think of a, a recent shoot I did where we were just running out of time. Like our plan was to shoot a roll of color and then a roll of black and white, and we got some great shit. And then we're running out of time, and you know, shooting just a roll of portrait in, in the F100. And like the last, you know, 15 shots for that segment of the shoot was originally supposed to be a roll of black and white. And it was just like we are running out of time. So I, I shot it knowing intentionally that I was going to convert it later. So yeah, I, I don't see like I'm not I'm not a purist in any shape of the form. You know, like I like yeah, it's, it doesn't fucking matter. It's just you know, like I'm not one of those as much as I you know love film and all that. I don't really think film's better. I don't think digital's better. Like at the end of the day it's it's you know, like it's if it's a client driven thing, like that's what matters. If it's if you're happy with the results, like that's what matters. So yeah, I will happily convert. I don't do it that often, but that's just because I haven't had a need to do it that often. That's a good Do you answer. find your to- sorry, go ahead. No, that's- it's really hard to con- I the the one I'm struggling with is trying to convert black and white film to color. That's just a pain in the ass. I have a um <laughs> local photographer here who I was telling the guys about this. Um I don't think it was on the air last week. But we were chatting about that kind of stuff. And there's a local photographer who does that with her darkroom prints um, near me. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. I have her card somewhere. But that's what she does. She she doesn't full-on colorize them, but she'll print in the darkroom and then only colorize certain aspects of it. And it's really beautiful work. So it's like selective color, but film version in yeah, the darkroom? Yeah, for the room. most part. Yeah. Like... That actually sounds kind of cool, especially because I tend to not like selective color thing. Uh, another thing I did in 2007 to 2009, which I'm guilty of, that I regret. But from a film perspective, that could be really interesting. Definitely send me her work. I'm curious about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm going to go find the um, card at some point when we finish this, and I'll probably add it to the back end of the podcast or just send you guys a link. But um, talking about her work, I obviously want to mention her name out there but i just don't have it off the top of my head but it's really not neat the way she does it she uses um these special paints for you know that are designed for doing that and we actually see her at this um arts festival that we have every year in atlanta called the inman park uh arts crafts festival whatever nonsense and it's in two weeks and i'll actually see her again i'm gonna try to talk to her and get her to come on the show nice okay so you were gonna ask something earlier yeah oh yeah um do you guys, um, Justin, do you find it, um, how do, when you approach models to shoot and you just primarily say, oh, I'm going to shoot you on film, how do they, how do they react to that? Uh, two different responses to that question. I know this is going to sound super narcissistic and egotistical for, this is not about the film part, but the reality is like, I tend to not approach people to shoot 90% of the people I shoot. It's I'm being approached. Um, I just, I suck at the reaching out. Like there's so many people I'd love to work with and I just suck at reaching out to people. It's just, I always feel weird about that. Like, Oh, Hey, do you want to shoot? Um, but as far as the film stuff, 
um, now I'm starting to get known sort of for some of the film things. So like uh, quite a few people have come to me specifically, like I did a shoot for a musician. Um, I don't even know if I've posted any of this, like she's totally cool with me posting. We did some great work, but like up in the snow a few months ago and you know, she's like, she found me because of like a film hashtag. She's like, Oh my God, like most of the films that I see sucks, but yours is like this weird foresty vibe and all this shit. So like, I, it's starting to get more and more where they come to me because of film and wanting that, or it's a matter of like, oh, hey, I, you know, like, we're gonna do this in film, and everyone's super cool with it. Like, no right. one has been like, oh, you can't use film because whatever. <laughs> I think that's just part of the times right now too, though. I think it's because film's gaining in its popularity again. More people are becoming comfortable with it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, also, like, like if we you said, look like, at your work, I it's... started. You know, I started when I started photography. Like, I shot film, but you know, like I wasn't one of those like, oh, I've always, you know, like I'm totally doing the hipster coming back to film thing. So I'm, I'm guilty of that just as much as anybody. Sorry, you were going to say something, Dustin? Well, yeah, I was just going to say that when you come, when you look at your work, you know, people see that you're getting great results out of using film. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's a way that you could replicate that digitally, but you know, why would you want to go through all that trouble when you obviously are showing like, you know, this is the results that I'm getting with this. I'm just going to keep using this. There's no point in me shooting digital just to try to replicate this look I'm already getting the way I'm shooting now. Yeah. I mean, like even like if you go, I don't know if you're on my website, but in the archive portfolio, the overwhelming majority of that stuff is digital. Um, And it's like my digital stuff and my film stuff, like they're not that different. Like I just got, it, like I didn't switch to film because it looks better. I, I can't even really say I switched because the aesthetic. Like I was talking about this with a friend the other day and fellow photographer, and they're like, you know, like why did you switch to film? And and here's like, here's the reality. I got bored not with the work that I was producing, but with the way that I was producing it. Like that was. The, the like hands down the biggest reason I just wanted a change in process it's the same reason why a few years ago I switched from you know Canon to Sony like all right just want a different way of doing the same thing just to keep it interesting and fun so like you know so the and all the cliche things that you always hear about people shooting film like it slows you down it forces you to think like all of that is also true but that wasn't the reason that I did it. Those just became truisms and byproducts from that switch. And and all of those reasons are why I still love shooting film. I think um, that's a common reason. I see a lot of people talking about they just get tired of the digital workflow. Um, mm-hmm. Because there, there is a lot to that. It, it, it can yeah, be like draining the- sitting in front of your computer for hours on end, trying to make your pictures look the way you want them to. And I think part of it, too, is each camera and lens system has its own you know look and it's 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 fun trying to find once you get into this ridiculous hobby that people say is cheaper which is obviously not because you're spending a fortune every week look at mac (laughs) on all these cameras some people are at least Um, it's an investment not not spending it's an an investment it it does pay off in the end though whatever you have to tell yourself <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't done the exact math yet, you know, in, in the past few months. But, you know, like, my guess is between the client work that I've had on film and what I've spent on it is it's somewhere around breaking even right now, if not turning rather net positive. So it's, you know, like, it, it is an early investment and, and the reward is 
you know, is, you know, I, I'm, I'm about marathons, not sprint. It's, you know, I'm about that long-term reward and, and the intrinsic, like I was saying before, the intrinsic emotional reward of switching to a different process and all the stuff about slowing down. And the reality is like, you know, when I shoot on digital, you know, you go and you get happy and you shoot four or five, sometimes 1500, 2000 photos in a day. And then it's like, all right, I come back just to get those same 10 or 20 great photos like and you know and i certainly always got them on my digital shoots and i get them on my film shoots but it's like then i don't have to spend the time going through like okay here's 48 photos of the exact same thing and basically someone's pinky finger is different in the photo like that's the only thing different and then it's like okay well now which pinky finger one day it's like all right if i'm shooting 10 shots in the rz you know like you only get 10 shots so i'm gonna take my time and try and bang every one of those shots so that they're like you know i hate not perfect but you know what i mean like that that's the best version of that shot and move to the next thing and then you get back or you know sometimes you get a roll where like 10 great shots and cool or only nine great but i don't have five thousand photos to go through or if you're me it's like oh i got one cool yeah <laughs> i mean i always joke that you know especially on the road trip stuff if i'm alone then i love spending time with myself alone driving out you know for 10 hours and if i get not a there's times where i go out to shoot and like when i'm just alone like and the camera never comes out of the bag like oh, i just didn't feel like you know end up shooting after all like but i drove around for eight hours and saw some cool shit and had coffee in cool mountain towns and had a blast and you know same thing with the, the portrait side of it where you know like and this actually has happened a few times where i'm going out shooting with friends like going out to shoot and end up just driving around for six hours and getting some food and coming back and you realize like oh shit we totally fucking forgot to take a photo and it's totally okay obviously it's different in a client situation but you know so it's that just the process of going out to sort of see the world is just as important as the end product of a photo for me i totally think i answered a question that you didn't ask but no but that's okay there was a lot of good stuff say. there um so coffee and photographers that seems to be a thing um for you la guys um i also i gotta cut you off on this i i, I have to qualify even though I shoot film and I live in LA and I love coffee, I am a coffee addict. I am not a coffee connoisseur. Okay, so just, okay. Just, just you just want to you just want to get it in your system. You don't care about having fancy lattes like Mac. My, no, I like <laughs> most Pinkies of most my coffee is shitty mountain town tweaker desert like just shit complete shit coffee that like most people will be like wow how are you even drinking that and then i'm like i don't know because i don't really need coffee because i'm naturally a morning person and i'm awake but i love a steady stream of really weak coffee throughout the whole day <laughs> fair okay <laughs> so something that you you dropped you touched on with the whole digital versus film process okay so i have an unpopular opinion i think that the whole makes me slow down argument is bullshit I think digital photographers are just lazy. It's not about slowing down. It's, you know, you're just pushing the button. You're just trying to snap off and get as many shots and hope that you can get one good one versus you're actually putting the effort into getting that picture. I think, I think it's less about slowing down and it's more about you just put more effort in. So maybe it's not no, a it's bullshit just, it's argument. Really about, 
yeah, it's not a bu- maybe not bullshit argument. I've, I may have phrased that the wrong way, but it's just more about <laughs> you're actually taking the time to to put the effort into the photos versus, you know, s- just blasting away because you can you can slow the fuck down and get an awful photo. Like people talk about mm-hmm. that whole thing with I slow down and blah blah blah. Well, look, that doesn't mean your pictures are any better. You know, you're just taking shitty pictures slower. But for me, it's all about the tool, right? So the tool is the difference between an automatic car and a manual transmission, right? So with film, you have to change the gears, and that does slow you down, so you're paying more attention. Of course, the the penalty for hammering down is dollars spent, right, because each frame actually does cost money. And I think it's – like, I don't want to see all of them are lazy because then you categorize everybody, but it's just a habit that you build in in digital because it's just – that's the way you drive an automatic transmission, right? Like, so when I switched to film after shooting, you know, like four or five years, just straight digital, um, it was pretty crazy in that. I, sh- I shot film and then I grabbed another digital camera and I went out and I was shooting with Mary or something and I would just take one snap, snap, and she'd be like, you know, you could take more than one photo at a time. And I wasn't even thinking about it, but I was just instinctively doing it because of having switched to film. It was just a difference between an automatic transmission and a manual. And I want to say that once I upgraded to a autofocus, auto-advancing film camera, I did start speeding up a little more and I started shooting not as much as like I did when I was shooting digital because, you know, a portrait shoot digital was 500 uh, portrait shoot with film manual SLR was probably about 72 frames. And now I'm shooting like an F100. I'm probably doing about a uh, four rolls. But you can see the the economy of motion is built into those auto drives, man. And it's just a, it is a bad ha- habit that you build, I think, on these autos. So I don't want to disparage the entire um, digital community but yeah i see where you're going dustin yeah i I mean obviously the generalization is just to invoke emotion but my sentiment as long as you're not talking about stand development or sunny 16 there's no emotion Dustin. okay listen so we're gonna bring (laughs) sunny 16 back into this justin do you do you do any do you shoot anything sunny 16 or do any sort of alternate processing or stand developing, even though I wouldn't call that alternate. Yeah, don't go. You put a fancy title on it to make it sound cool. Alternate processing is is leaving your shit in a canister and walking away and going to watch Mash or some shit. Dude, it's not. Because <laughs> oh only people who I mean, I, I have to stay out of show. I have to stay out of any conversations about the developing side because <laughs> I've done none of that myself. So fair, fair enough. Other, what about other than sixteen parts of FP one hundred? <laughs> yes. Okay, so, so this I, is funny because you were talking about earlier, Mac, the whole artistic, you know, whatever process of it, and but you constantly shit on Sunny Sixteen, man. Like it's just it's just another part of being somebody's process, you know. Yeah, I, I, ultimately, I don't care, and it does. I just do it to like get everybody riled up too. I mean, like whatever gets your image, you know. It's just I don't not for me. It's like digital cameras, Sunny 16 is the end development, not my thing. Well, we still like you. We won't hold it against you. Hugs. I'm sending hugs. There you go. Let me ask you this back. I'm going to throw a little wrench in here. What's going to happen? Do you use in-camera meters or external or both? Uh, I use in-camera meters. So you're out on a shoot. You're just feeling confident. You only have one camera, your F100 or your FE2 or whatever. And the weather is kind of wonky and changing, and your in-camera meter breaks. What are you going to do? I'm going to become an iPhone photographer. No, just kidding. I'll (laughs) I'll use an app on my phone probably, or I'll be like, you know what? Shit 
just went sideways. I'm sorry, but we're going to have to roll. But see, uh, if you knew the sending 16, you wouldn't have to. But then, I, then I would take <laughs> shitty photos and they'd be like, you're a terrible photographer. And I thought that you knew what you were doing. And That's I'd be like, true, sorry, sending 16. That's not no, true. But, but it's film. It's creative. It's film. <laughs> it's not about that. Look, man, I get if you know how to read the light, Sunny 16, you can get just as good photos. You just have to know what you're doing. If you, I guarantee you, if you took a month and you were like, I'm just going to do some artsy, non-model shit. Not saying you can't do that stuff too, but certain, like, just take one camera and say, I'm just going to learn Sunny 16. I guarantee you, within a month. Probably less time, honestly, with the amount of roles that you just shoot inherently. Anyway, you're going to be pulling pictures out of that you're going to be like, all right, all right, I get it. Probably. Yeah, I mean, it's a viable option from what I've seen some people do, but this is not my cup of tea. And plus, it just gets everybody riled up. So just like what do they say? Don't knock it till you try it, right? Right. And I'll never try it. So I guess I can never knock it. (laughs) No, that's not true. I will never do that. I've never seen The Godfather, and I'm never going to do Sunny 16, and I'm never going to stand development. You say that. But we've already already talked about you recording a vlog when you come to Atlanta shooting Sunny 16. So. You're gonna do it. Wait, wait, wait. Never Thanks, gonna man. do. Never gonna do stand development. Never gonna. Uh, Sunny sixteen. I'll do it just for the vlog. But uh, yeah, it's cool. It's fun. So going back to uh, thinking about what people think when you show up to a shoot with film. You know, Justin, with you showing up, like they they probably know in advance. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I thought I was just thinking about it when you're talking about it. Sometimes I don't even talk about it, and I'll just show up and show up and start shooting, and then they'll see me open the back of the camera, and they're like what are you doing? I'm like, it's a film camera. And they're like, really? Are your images on your uh, feed film? I'm like, every single one. Literally, the name of my page is Max Shoots Film. They're like, they're all film. I'm like, yep. And they're like, so are my images going to look like that? And I'm like, yeah, they're going to look exactly like that. Because they get concerned. They're like, wait a minute. This motherfucker just opened up the back of the camera and it was like some, I don't know, a roll of something. I don't know what's going on there. Um, well, yeah, one of, of your models are young enough like, that they take probably a shot don't. And then show the back of like the F100 and be like, oh my God, look at this. And they, and they know it's, and they're like, fuck you, keep getting me with that. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so let's talk about that real quick, Justin. So, like, both of us shot portraits and models before we switched to film. And mm-hmm. when I, I mean, dude, when I was in Atlanta, I, I swear I was doing three or four shoots a day. I was like getting burned the fuck out, but I was shooting digital. And part of digital, though, that helped me interact, like, and make it through those days was I was able to show a model who wasn't like getting where I needed her to be uh, there faster because I could show her the back of the camera. And have you, what has that transition been for you? Because, like, for me, I've had to be more verbal and like perfect like communication because i don't have that screen and say uh you move left hair go down you know something like that now i now I actually have to be like hey okay so here's what i'm thinking about so what was that like for you having to no longer show the back of the camera um i think that that was an easy transition for me because even though like the back of the camera exists digitally like i didn't really rely on it in terms of feedback between subject and photographer i like i would sort of say and describe or sort of like myself model to the, to the extent that i can bend and twist and you know shit like that um so th- that that was sort of an easy transition for me um and also like even when i was shooting digitally like it's on occasion I would intentionally like get excited and show a photo like, wow, this is great. But I sort of wouldn't go off of the back, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, but that's just personally. Right. And, you know, with me, too, you know, I'm definitely super active in the posing process because, you know, a lot of the models I shot in Atlanta definitely were less experienced. And, you know, 
I want to walk away with good images. So mm -hmm. even if they're paying or paying money or paying with time, like we're both invested in that. So yeah, I, I learned very early that I had to like over communicate and pose. And mm -hmm. I, I felt like an idiot doing those poses, but dude, you have to do it, you know? Well, sort of, and you know, backtracking a little bit in light or in spite of what I just said, the other side of that equation is it's also not that much of an issue because I tend to on the posing side, I try to for the as much as possible sort of be like let them drive that whether it's someone experienced or not because it, it right. sort of ties into like the, the the sort of like raw authentic organic nature of, of what i'm trying to get out of a shoot uh and then like you know usually if i'm jumping in to talk about the posing it's because i see something and whether i got a shot of it whether it's film digital or whether i just saw it like it's more like things happen and then I'll see one thing and I'm like, all right, we're going to drill down a little bit into that one thing. But for the right. most part, I tend to just let people do what they do. And then, you know, and I'd say that's 70% of what I do. And then the other 30% is, you know, like me driving and my ideas. Yeah. That's crazy. It's so, it's so weird how two, two portrait photographers on the phone and, and pretty different. Yeah. I like mm -hmm. that. I like, I like the initial setup, right? Cause I at least want to get like, I have a, we're walking and like, you know, that we're talking, but really in my head, I'm like hunting for compositions and then I sit mm -hmm. them down and I know the image I want. So I'll put mm -hmm. them in that first one. And then it's like, they do have, you know, they're like, able to you know move through poses between shots cool mm -hmm. i'll let that happen but that first shot dude i've got to set it up like oh, exactly how i see it in my head right but i'm also i'm also very upfront with people in that like let me backtrack someone like a, a, a model friend of mine that i was hanging out with her a couple weeks ago i don't even think we were shooting and she's like and this was such a weird and beautiful compliment and I never really thought about it like this and, and you know she like she's like I mean this in the best possible way uh, you know she said I forget the exact quote but something like you have this weird new like ability to shoot really really beautiful people in really non-beautiful ways and it comes out still beautiful but not in terms of like oh that person is good looking like I never want someone to look at my photo and the first thought is like wow, that person is attractive or that's hot or that's sexy or, you know, like that's, that's like the last thing that I want that that's the last emotion that I want to come and, you know, out of it. But the reality is like, I shoot some good looking people. So that's comes with a little bit, but that's, that's not what I'm going for in terms of the outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, it's crazy, uh, and especially when it's just like you and the other model. And like some days, I'll, I, some days I'm just not inspired. But you gotta like, you still have to shoot, though, you know. And then mm -hmm. usually the first few frames, I, I'm like, shit, but I'm just gonna like totally, you know, crap the bed on this one. And then then you're just gonna get in your routine, you know. But man, those days where you, I'm not feeling it. Yeah, hopefully you have those days too, Justin. I want you to be like, no, every time's amazing, Matt. Yeah, every time is amazing. No, it's it's it's. I mean, it's <laughs> It's, 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 I mean, it's a roller coaster, but I'm also, I, I like, I'm a huge fan of, oh my God, I'm such a big fan of his writing that I'm totally fucking blanking on his name right Stephen Stephen Pressfield, uh, that the guy who wrote War of Art and Do the Work and Turning Pro, a bunch of books like that. He, he like writes books, they're geared, they're, he is a writer and he writes a lot of books about writing, but they, they can sort of be extracted to the, the creative community at large. And, you know, his whole thing, about you know being a professional is yeah you're not going to be inspired every second every time and some days you're going to feel like shit about the work you're doing and you still show up and do it so that's why like 
I like I try to just like go into something going and you know even when I'm not feeling like all right just fucking game face gonna do it anyway I'm gonna make this work and I and I love the fact that like you said like I sometimes I'm not you know quote unquote inspired at the beginning of shoot and then you get home and you're like wow that was amazing I'm glad I still did that yeah and, absolutely yeah just and someone like. Yeah, but what I was talking about before, like some of the shoots I do or go out to shoot and drive around and not take a single photo, it's not so much because I'm not inspired to shoot. It's more just because I'm just enjoying the moment of not shooting, not for lack of inspiration. It's like, all right, like that's just the, the, the goal of the reason for leaving my house shifted. Do you get... um? Do you seem to get yourself like upset if you do go out with your camera thinking of trying to get some shots in your head and everything and then realize like you didn't shoot does that uh does that get to you at all nope no like honest truth not not in a single bit but i'm going to give a qualifier or a caveat to that statement the only time that does get to me and it's it's a different form of that is if i'm driving somewhere and it's whether portrait shoot or my not currently in driving alone if i'm and this only happens on like road trip shoots or where i'm out somewhere if i pass something and i'm like oh that looks cool but i'm gonna shoot that on the way back and i never end like every time i say to myself like oh i'll get that photo on the way back i always just end up taking a different way home and or or get back there and the conditions aren't quite the same so that's the only time where like the the it didn't happen affects me so you know and then randomly i was reading todd heido's aperture foundation book it's like on landscapes nudes and houses or whatever it's called and he even has a quote on there i forget exactly what it is but he's like if you see something and you want to shoot it and you start thinking to yourself i'll get that on the reverse of wherever i'm going like just fucking stop and get out and shoot it um but so that's the only time that bothers me. But in terms of if I go out to shoot and the camera never comes out, like I, like I said, I love driving around, so I'm totally okay with that. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I I if I see something, I'm kind of obsessed on like a uh, I got like kind of a personal project with going like with old signs and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And if I see something, I'm like, ah, no, I'm gonna keep driving a little bit and I'll get it on the way back. And by that time, like I. Like I think exactly like you, I take a different way home because I'm going to try and try to find something else, and then I get, I beat myself up about it. It's like, oh man, that would have been perfect, you right. know. And oh, it's like, I'll get it tomorrow. I'll get it like in the, you know the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I also I tend to visit a lot, like a repeat visit, a lot of the same areas. Um, and like, there's this one patch of forest, which not so much on the film side, but for quite a few years in the digital and it's like, it's in my fog book a lot, but I, you know, I've probably taken hundreds of photos in there and out of all those photos or thousands, you know, there's probably 50 or 60 like bangers out of all that. And they're all like within this tiny little patch of forest that's like super tiny, super surrounded by residential and they're, (coughs) (coughs) and they're all different and all of like the, the, and then I finally, like, I had this one idea for a photo there that, like, it needed to be, I don't want to say the right person, like, the, the human was interchangeable, but the conditions, the fog, the snow, the light, everything, like, I, I, like, I went to this spot in the forest, like, 50 times over a few years to finally get this shot, and, you know, last year I finally got it, wasn't in the fog book, because it, like, I 
didn't happen until after. And then it's like, all right, so now now I'm going to start exploring other spots. So there there is some going back, but it's it's I'm never frustrated if it's not the way that I envisioned it. Right. Because it's always something new coming out of it that I didn't expect in a positive way. Interesting. I was going to ask you if you mark spots on your map that you go back to, but you kind of answered that. Do you do you go out looking for new spots and then mark them like, this might look cool with fog, I'm going to come back to that in the future? Or do you just kind of uh, chill when you find a spot and maybe I'll remember it, maybe I don't? Or how does how does that kind of work for you? I mean, thankfully, I've got a fairly good location memory, um, which I know is a horrible way. So I don't really mark spots all that much because um, a lot of my stuff, like I said, it's in the same area. And I've just been going to like the same three major forest areas for so long, for so many times. And, you know, like like I just go there. And a lot of times something I didn't even say is sometimes I'll go to these places and not bring a single camera intentionally and just go to drive around just to get out and clear my head. So like I've really gotten to know some of these areas. And then every couple of weeks when I'm up there, like if I have time, I will intentionally take a different road and get new kinds of lost. And, you know, cause it's never like, I'm not that far from, you know, it's not like I'm driving around death Valley and I'm going to run out of gas and die of heat exhaustion or something like that. So like the places aren't dangerous where I go. So it's, you know, every few weeks, few months, I'll find a new area within those bigger areas. Cool. Very cool. All right. So I think we have one more question. This one's kind of a softball, just some, something light to end it on. So this whole episode, I would like to say, has been about your creative process and how you get the work that you get. So if you had two pieces of advice to give to a new photographer that's looking to develop their own style, what would that be? Um, and let's, let's add another qualifier to this. What's one piece of cliche advice that you would give? And what's one serious that you don't actually hear people tell very often to new photographers that are trying to develop their style not just like trying to get into this what do I do like I'm a photographer I know how to technically maneuver a camera how can I develop my style um let's see I sort of knew that this was going to be the ending question even though like you guys didn't tell me and I totally forgot to mentally prepare for this. So let's let's see here. Um, I'm probably going to answer seven different versions of what you just asked because that's what I do. I ramble. So all right, here goes. Um, fuck, I lost it again. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Um, I think I can't even say the best way because I don't think there is one best way. Like some people just know their style from the get go and that's it. And some people takes for a while or a hybrid of that. But I, I, I'm a fan of everything as a professional you should not do, which is sort of just shoot everything. Literally just if you're getting started and you know, you understand shutter at, like, you know how to take pictures. It's more in terms of stylistically, it's shoot everything, shoot, shoot dogs, shoot, you know, shoot weddings for free, not literally for free, but like shoot, you know, like your cousin's getting married. They have a photographer ask if you can bring your camera and take some of your own pictures, shoot portraits of your kids, shoot naked people on the beach, shoot trees, shoot, you know, shoot everything, but like, active railroad tracks shoot like I'm saying don't do that it's like my one pet peeve um so just sort of shoot everything 
and do that for much longer than you think you need to do. And then after a certain period of time, undefined, go back and look at your work and what did you shoot the most while trying to shoot everything? And within that work, what were those sort of stylistic things that you did within the things that you shot the most? Sort of, if that makes sense. That's one part answer to the question. I think uh, another, like I'm another fan of, um, do you guys know who Austin Kleon is? No, I'm no. not familiar with his work. Okay, so he's, a, he's an author based, I believe he's based in Austin, Texas. But um, he's got a, a book called Show Your Work. He's got a book, uh, which I'm a huge fan of. He, he writes a lot about the creative process. But uh, he's got this concept of, and I don't even know if he's the one who came up with it. He just wrote a book about it. Like this concept of stealing like an artist. And it's sort of like, yeah, like literally copy everyone's work. You know, like go recreate people's photos that you like don't post the recreations but recreate them for the sake of learning how to do them and do that with a lot of different artists and then you know where he comes in the steel like an artist is you know you're not trying to be you're not trying to be the next richard avedon you know but you're the next annie or the next tim walker or whoever but if pieces of all of the artists that inspire you you know in this goes back to an hour ago when we were talking about the inspiration component if if you have pieces of all of your sources of inspiration and you know they make up this giant pie chart and then you sprinkle your own bit of inspiration in there you get this sort of remixed new thing that is you so i think that's that's the big answer like you know i could tell you all of my photographic influences and you'd be like oh yeah, I see where that comes in, but yet your work looks not like theirs, but I could see where that's an influence. You know, it's the same thing with bands. Like, you know, you you have four different people in a just a traditional rock band or whatever, and they have some of the same influences and some different influences, and they all bring that to the table to create, you know, Nails or Metallica or Led Zeppelin or the Rolling Stones, but yet they're similar to their influences, but something entirely different. Damn, dude. I think that's my answer. Yeah. Well, Justin, I think you have definitely been an excellent choice for a first guest. Um, I disagree, but you know, it's your no podcast, way, man. So. You you you've absolutely <laughs> knocked these questions out of the park. I feel like if people weren't f- familiar with you before, I bet they already have an idea in their head of what your work is going to look like before they definitely go and look it up, and it's probably going to be pretty similar to what they had in their head. Um, They're probably thinking that my work looks like that Brandon Wolfel guy, where it's just nothing but like fairy lights and oh, you know, like no. super saturated. Why would they think <laughs> no, that? But you're no. Hey, I, I don't like that guy. Though. I dig, like, I I dig I the stuff he I does. I don't know him at all, so I'm not gonna shit talk him. I didn't even know he existed until a few months ago. But yeah, no, his work is interesting, and it definitely fits like the younger generation and the kind of stuff that they seem to be into. And, and his work doesn't look bad. It's aesthetically appealing. I mean, here's, here's the reality. Like, if we're going to go down this rabbit hole, if he's happy with it and if people like it and it's not hurting anyone, then you know what? More power to him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was like when anyone asked me to critique their work, I'm like, look, I, I don't, I don't want to critique anyone's work because the, 
they're on a path and like if I say something that changes they they need to like I don't know I, I don't want to give advice is what I'm trying to say because I don't want to mm-hmm. change them in any way shape or form they need to do them and not listen to other people I think that's one of the steps towards developing your own style so if somebody asks me something and I'm saying hey you could work on this that might eat them up and they only think about that and they change and they may not be who they were going to be because some dumbass named Mac told them something you know but wait wait you want, you want to blow your mind for a sec do it and this is something that a friend of mine told me recently. What if in giving a thoughtful critique of their work, you're able to better examine and critique your own work and grow from that? Oh, shit. Yeah, you, didn't hear, my, you didn't hear my mic just drop because I'm not going to drop it because I'm talking on it. But <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, don't even answer that. Just, just food for thought and for anyone listening. Only because I'm the same way. Like, I tend to avoid those questions of what do you think about my work? Right. And, st- and I don't mean, like, that the random whatever on Instagram that just, like, slides into the DM, like, oh, I just started photography. What do you think of my work? I mean, like, someone who already knows what they're doing and sort of, and like, there's some real critical thinking involved. And I'm trying to get better about talking about other people's work to better inform my work. So just, yeah, don't answer that. Just leaving that for you, for the audience. Very cool, very cool. It's just, it's the same, here, it's the same reason why I'm doing this podcast, despite the fact that even though you guys are awesome, why I really don't want to do this today and why the last podcast, I really didn't want to do it. It's even though I love listening to the podcast and I can already tell, not just because I'm a guest on it, but like, I'm going to love your podcast, like going forward. It's, I hate talking about my own work, like the gear stuff, even though like we've been talking about how it's not about the gear. Like I'm so much, even though I'm not a gear person, I'm so much more comfortable talking about like what lens did I use or what settings or what this, then like, why do I shoot in fog? And what does that mean to me besides the visual, besides that it looks cool, you know, like, um, or talking about the sobriety and the art therapy, like those are questions that I struggle, even though I know the answers intrinsically, I struggle to talk about them. So it's the reason why when you're like, Hey, do you want to do this podcast? I'm like, God, I hate this. And I like selfishly, I'm using you guys to learn more about myself. So That's what we're you. here for. That's exactly the point of this podcast. And I know you haven't <laughs> listened to the first episode yet, but we kind of go on our own little tangents at the end of it about why we think or what we want to get out of this podcast. And that was that was one of the things that we all said is just to learn more mm-hmm. about the process for ourselves and maybe that other people will learn a little bit from it themselves so um that's pretty awesome i definitely appreciate the um early praise you haven't heard it yet so hold your um <laughs> enthusiasm about it until you actually yeah well like i told out. you yesterday or whatever we were talking about i was like send me the link i will 100 percent listen to it but it won't be until after my shoot tomorrow morning and you're like oh what cool naked foggy thing is he shooting tomorrow morning and it's actually just a short video shoot for a rabbi friend of mine but that's besides the point one of my clients <laughs> But I, I, he's like 65 years old. He wears like Converse and says fuck all the time. He's like the coolest rabbi in the world. And I keep asking him to get naked in the desert and he won't do it. <laughs> that would be cool, though. That's like <laughs> shooting a Modest Yahoo almost, right? I, uh, have I shot? Did I shoot Modest Yahoo? No, I've been to two of his shows locally. I didn't shoot him. Who was the guy that I shot? The, the fucking the rapper with the M. Macklemore. <laughs> all right. Name dropping at the end. Way to go. Yep, yep. 
It's like, yeah, yeah he's a Leica, and I shot Macklemore, and I wrote yeah, it no, on no, the... no. But you're like, oh wow, he was hired to shoot Macklemore. Like, no, like my friend, my former roommate, like worked for a production company, and they just they're like, hey, can you? And I was just naive, and I didn't ask for money at all. They're like, oh hey, like can you come get some photos of us doing the setup thing? Because they're like a young startup company, and I was like, sure. And I got like literally just like five, ten quick photos, and they're like, oh, okay, cool. I'm like, all right. They're like, well. Macklemore is who's playing tonight so if you want to stay and shoot that you can too I was like all right cool so yeah i just like was standing on stage at this like tiny little Macklemore concert shooting photos not getting paid so yeah, it wasn't as cool as it sounded <laughs> so you didn't, you didn't shoot him in a thrift shop no uh, i tried to, we tried to question. reach out to people it's like shoot for a, i used to shoot for a local thrift shop and we tried to reach out to get him to sort of like be the celebrity spokesperson for it. and they're just like yeah that's cool that's just not happening <laughs> he's probably trying to separate himself from that yeah i do okay this is maybe cut this out or not whatever uh there there is a project related to sobriety a longer term project um it'll probably be filmed but this isn't about film photography specifically uh that i'm starting to put together some early pieces and there's a couple people who might be on board that's going to tie in and this is going to look everything and nothing like my work at the same time and the idea will be that this book will sort of go to sort of raise money to help addiction and you know support treatment centers like the one that i went to that like they let me live there for free for months and months and months because i couldn't afford to pay so anyway just throwing that out there very well, cool. for sure i mean if you anything we can do to help um we're definitely awesome. here for down for that um okay so we have just a small amount of time left with a couple of our hosts here so we're going to move along to a segment that we have at the end of our show um, where we like to highlight instagram feeds okay we have a couple so people that we is this choose. you guys highlighting or am i highlighting we can both? if you have somebody that you would like to throw into the mix then you are more no, than welcome to it, add to it so wait this is the this is the nepotism section right yes no no, no okay, yeah I'll, yeah yeah i'm all about it yeah okay um <laughs> I don't know who went first last week. Um, I think it was me, wasn't it? So let's go ahead and we'll have Mac uh, give his Instagram highlights and why he likes them. Sweet, sweet. Okay, so first one, I am him on film. Uh, sure, sure. He's out in Oakland, California, and his work is amazing. So a lot of his stuff is oh, singular. Shit, you're right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> singular, su- singular subject, really cool lighting scenarios, really abstract poses, expressions. I mean, this guy is, he's a badass. And uh, I just love his work and I love his approach to it. If you check him out, I am him dot on film, you'll find him on Instagram. That guy's stuff is really good. Um, then the other one, this is a film and digital photographer, but super abstract, cough syrup. And cough is C-O-U-G-H-H underscore syrup. It's Mia Nova Kova. Um, and it's really saturated. I mean, a lot of it looks like 800T Cinestill, but it's a, a blend of digital and film, not exclusively um, film, but work is so cool and abstract it's it's refreshing in your feed when you're scrolling and you see something like that it's like a piece of art so those are my two take it okay pete what about you all right um all right my first one is um another local guy um i'm fortunate actually to be in an area where um you know there's a, a big abundance of film shooters that i think just actually came out of the woodwork and which is awesome and uh 
but one of them is a guy by the name of Brandon Cabral. His Instagram tag is uh, Cabralism, so it's C-A-B-R-A-L-I-S-M. Uh, he shoots a lot of, uh, from what I've seen, a lot of four by five, a lot of uh, a lot of color, black and white. He likes to mix it up a little bit, and um, you know, just a lot of his photos just really uh, caught on to me a lot and um haven't met him yet so um, i have a uh, i'm in a photo group in my area um and i haven't had the pleasure of meeting him yet i think last week you uh was it you dustin that mentioned uh stephen byrne me yeah that was me yeah or dustin yeah was it oh, yeah. Okay. yeah the other aspect. um yeah dustin justin whatever <laughs> dustin with the d uh yeah um yeah i met him i actually uh traded a uh, camera with him and uh, he's a really cool guy and um the second one is a guy by the name of garth murphy um his tag is Mur- uh, murphy's film he also has a youtube he's a youtuber as well mac um i don't know if you follow him or not but um his uh youtube is murphy's film and um a guy is based out of i believe england and um he actually i just bought his zine on um through instagram and it's really cool it's called uh, mono and it's all black and white work uh pretty cool uh, uh pretty cool uh zine uh he's a great photographer he shoots mostly uh, black and white stuff so which is my cup of tea right there so um but those are my two very cool take it okay this leaves me so my first one today the guy's name is brian liston he goes by ink alliston or inka liston i'm not exactly sure exactly how it's pronounced but it's i-n-k-a-l-i-s-t-o-n on Instagram, and he shoots a lot of portraits of females and dudes, and they're a lot of black and white. You guys know I lean towards that aesthetic, but they're similar to the sh- the portraits that you guys shoot. His are a little moody. Um, some of them are vibrant. They're just they're they're nice. I don't. I'm still learning about portraits and stuff, so really, I just go by feeling. Like I, I like the way his shots feel to me. So I'm going to kind of give him a shout out today. Uh, it's not like he needs it. He's got a ton of followers on face on Instagram. So he's a fairly well-known photographer, I would assume. But uh, I really dig his work. And then the second guy is Scott Elliott Photo. He's a landscape photographer. I don't know if he shoots film or digital. He most likely, looking at his pictures, shoots digital. But I do really dig his landscapes. He does have some foggy shots. But he's also got some animal portraits and stuff on there like eagles and trees and stuff like that and they're really contrasty and saturated and that's part of why i think that he's shooting on digital but again i just i really dig them he doesn't do much black and white if any at all i didn't really see any but they're they're good stuff so go give him a check out as well what about you justin did you have anybody that you wanted to Say, hey, oh, go look God, at this guy. I'm just going to, like... You don't have to. You're not obligated to. No, it's no, not no, something 100%. we told you about. I'm, I'm trying to just think of two. Okay, the first one is... I'm going to go with... So this is someone I don't know personally that we've talked about on Instagram, and I think we're going to link up soon to grab coffee. Uh, sorry, boys. I think for the most part, he's digital, not film. Um, but his name is Stuart Pally, S-T-A-U-A-R-T-P-A-L-L-E-Y, all one word for his Instagram. Um, 
he's, I guess he's an environmental photographer, landscape photographer, but he became, you know, known to me through his wildfire work. And we live in California and there's a lot of wildfires. And I heard him on actually, sorry to, can I mention other podcasts here? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I heard him on Visual Revolutionary Podcast. Oh, yeah, um, I love that. What do you call it? And like the dude just does amazing work. And it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, he's just, but he's also, it's like he's, he's not exploitative about it, which is, I think, right. a, be- a beautiful thing. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not, oh, like it's i don't know how to yeah i guess just not exploitative is the best way to describe it and he's also like a certified just certified fire training so he's not just some hot shot adrenaline junkie going out there to get cool photos because he can't you know what i mean like he actually cares and he'll tell you know firefighter stories and he's also sort of you know a champion for the land and you know a lot of you know he he's very against a lot of like the instagram type shit like the trampling on the wildflowers and the super bloom that's so popular here so we've been talking a lot and i'm also linking him up with another friend of mine liana uh because she does a lot of like off-roading adventure stuff and so yeah he's recommendation one and uh, let's see oh should i mention jsr photos and not currently are two accounts i think you know people should unfollow but uh no okay aside we're gonna let, <laughs> okay. we'll let you talk about that when we finish this part my other recommendation is my dear friend who i do know in real life um and one of my favorite photographers and just one of my all-around favorite human beings my friend Catherine just her instagram is at c just so c j u s t um she's hybrid but she mostly shoots mostly posts a lot of film actually she mostly just posts like behind the scenes type stuff but her website is amazing katherinejust.com she shoots a lot of polaroid too she shoots a lot of large format and her son max she's got a, a foundation for him and you know he uh, like yeah it just I, I can't even describe our work like it's one of those you have to sort of see and especially more so on her website um she does a lot of self-portrait and she's you know i remember in one of her youtube vlogs a couple of years ago and then i was talking to her about it you know she's the one who taught me about that concept that even if you're photographing another person it can be a self-portrait and i think that's i you know a good way to describe a lot of my work with other people is in a way they are self-portraits so, yeah. Dropping the bombs at Catherine. the end. <laughs> you know, I got got to end on that note. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so, it's a better ending than the truth, which is okay. I'm wondering when this ending because I really got to pee again. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we are wrapping it up now, so we'll go ahead and let you give everybody where you can be found: your website, your Instagrams, anything you want to shout out. Where there is a potential for people to reach out to you if they so choose. Um. Let's see. Instagram is at jsr photos or at not underscore currently um i'm pretty accessible on facebook though i'm adding less random people on there so maybe don't friend me if i don't know you but my most of my stuff is public so you can follow me on facebook which is just fucking weird Uh, twitter like pretty much everything is other than my instagram at not currently everything else is jsr photos like i'm really really easy to find and i own all the social media names with that uh and then my website which is just 
jsrphotos.com or www.jsrphotos.com. Uh, my current overview gallery, which is intentionally still shrinking, is all film stuff. And then I've got all my archive stuff. And you can buy my book if you want. Sure, cool. I like money. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really easy to find. All right, Pete, what about Perfect. you? Oh, jeez. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Pete Donovan Photo, all uh, one word. And I also have a website at PeteDonovanPhoto.com, which is mostly all digital work. I'm still trying to uh, incorporate some of the film stuff, but there's just way too much to call from right now. But uh, mostly everything, the main way to communicate with me is through Instagram. So, again, it's at uh, PeteDonovanPhoto altogether. All right, guys. So, Mac McDonald, you can check out my photography on Mac Shoots Film on Instagram. And I also have a film photography vlog on YouTube. So you can find me, Mac Shoots Film, there as well. That's it. All right. And you guys can find me on Instagram at For the Love of Grain. And I just want to thank Justin again for coming and having a fantastic conversation with us and hopefully thank teaching you, a couple people a couple things about introspective shooting and all of the amazing things that he has said the whole time cool, I mean, cool. You, you really have you've really dropped some some great information on us and um it's been it's been a great episode and again thanks for coming on uh, mac pete thanks for coming on again this has been a fun time i'm it's been a lot of fun recording with you guys and i'm looking forward to the next one Thank definitely you i'm looking forward easy. to not re-listening to myself but to listening to all the other ones now nah, you should right, man, have a great yourself. night have a good one. All right. All right. See you guys. Thanks, boys. Bye.